This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful hill country of Texas. Spring has arrived. Spring has arrived early in Texas. The birds were singing today. The sun is out. The sky is almost that bright, brilliant, beautiful blue that I miss so much from Hawaii. It's a great day. And today, I have a great interview with the Reverend L. He is a Christian pastor from Hong Kong. We're not going to tell you his denomination, and his, his name isn't Reverend L., but this is to protect his identity because, of course, the CCP is a brutal regime, and I'm sure one could go to prison simply for listening to this podcast, let alone being on it. So to preserve his, his identity, he's, we're calling him Father L. And of all of the interviews I've ever done, I really learned a lot. Uh, he's a very wise man, and um, yeah, I, I think you are going to learn a lot. So listen to the show. Share this show with your friends. I want to get right on to the interview. This episode is being brought to you by uh, Mike Lindell's MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com. Use the code Jones in the radio listener square. You get those deep discounts. This episode is also being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the vulnerable. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor. Get a free copy of my book, The Race to Save Our Century. I wrote that with the great John Zmirak. And he'll be coming on this weekend as we do a weekend wrap-up extravaganza. Now, we interview the mysterious, the great Reverend L. Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Reverend L. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Hi, Jason. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good, and it's a privilege to have you. I know that Reverend Al is is a pseudonym. It's it's not your name. Um, so you're coming on the show at some risk uh, to speak up for the people of Hong Kong. And so thank That's you right. for, for, for coming on our show and for taking this risk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what we've been doing on the show is we're calling it the pentathlon of podcasting, which is kind of cheesy. But what we want to do is each day of the Genocide Olympics, which is an epic scandal, it is a great mm-hmm. scandal, it's a scandal to the world, we want to take the opportunity and stand on the stumbling block to amplify the abuses of the CCP, not only on the mm-hmm. people of the captive nations, but on Hong Kong, its threats to Taiwan, mm-hmm. and also around the world. And, I, you know, we know, the world knows about the, um, the well, maybe they don't, but, we, you know, we've talked about over a million children have been separated from their parents in Tibet, three million Uyghur in concentration camps, um, the, the uh, rhetoric and the increased harassment of Taiwan. Uh, but there seems to be almost a complete media block, blackout, or maybe because the crimes seem to people to pale in comparison. What's happening in Tibet and what's happening to the Uyghur seem to pale in comparison uh, what's happening in Hong Kong pales in comparison. But what's striking is, three decades ago, is it fair to say Hong Kong was probably the freest place on the planet Earth? 
I would say until fairly recently, until like 20 years ago, until 97. Until the transition. It, so it was, Even after the transition, I would say, I mean, they slowly cracked down on the freedom, but I would say even before 2019, I mean, Hong Kong is still pretty free. I mean, there are some restrictions, but for the most part, I mean, I would say it's a free city until 2019. So for explain to the the folks what's been happening. We have a crackdown on religion. Uh, we have a crackdown on the freedom of press in a place that has this long tradition of freedom. It has to be striking to the people who live there. Indeed, I mean Hong Kong was under the rule of the British for over a hundred years until 1997. So we really have a very very good and fair judicial system. We have freedom of press, freedom of assembly. If you guys remember back in 2019, we had a huge protest in which 2 million people went on the street. So so I would say, you know, Hong Kong before 2019 was the beacon of freedom in Asia. And yet, you know, things just went downhill in the past 20 months. So I mean, I, I think the CCP is, is great in the sense that they are able to completely transform a city, you know, from a free city to like Manhattan, you know, or any city in the United States to, uh, to, to a totalitarian regime like any city in mainland China uh because of the passage of the national security law back in 2020 july 2020 what was <laughs> what was the excuse or the impetus for the passing of that national security law was it the freedom protests well they used that as an excuse if you look at the ccp document back in 2015 they have already in mind, they have already, you know, they already, they already think about imposing a national security law to every single part of China, including Hong Kong and Macau. But they just haven't got a good excuse to, to implement that in Hong Kong until the 2019 protests started. So the 2019 protests lasted for, lasted for around six months or so. And eventually, because of COVID, the protest stopped and died down. So in, in July 2020, um, the CCP really took advantage of COVID, you know, because people could not go on the street to protest. They just implemented, implemented this law into Hong Kong, not through the Hong Kong legislature, but through the Beijing legislature. So what they did was that they passed the law in Beijing, and impose that to the Hong Kong people. What was so? I guess they all yeah. Explain to the folks what what, what was the um, impetus for the protests to begin with. So back in 2019, the Hong Kong government they wanted to impose an extradition bill. Basically, if if that bill is passed, anyone in Hong Kong could potentially be sent to China for trial for whatever crimes that you commit. So, you know, I would say before 2019, the main one of the main differences between Hong Kong and China is the judicial system. You know, Hong Kong, because of the British rule, we we have we always have a common law system. You know, we you cannot 
you know, if you're arrested, you the police uh, the, the court the police will either charge you within 48 hours or they they will have to release you. I mean, there is fair trial, open door trials, but then in but in China, there is no fair trial. Sometimes, oftentimes, they would appoint lawyers. The government would appoint lawyers for the defendants, and oftentimes the the trials are are, done, are conducted behind closed doors. And I would say, for certain crimes like political crimes, the conviction rate is as high as ninety nine percent. So, so. So essentially, the extradition bill would imply that for anyone in Hong Kong, even for crimes committed in Hong Kong, they would potentially put you in jail. They they would put you to court in trial. They they would put you to trial in court in China, and then and then you would be and then you would basically undergo the unfair judicial process in China. So so people are extremely worried that you know. I mean, what would happen if they are sent to China for trial, right? So that's why people went on the streets for protest. Um, the protest, you know, the biggest ones were the biggest one was two million, and then there's another one in which one million people went on the street. Imagine Hong Kong only has a seven million population, so basically almost one third of the population went on the street on that day to protest against this extradition bill. That that's really unbelievable. Well, you know, yeah. you look at now Jimmy Lai was arrested, the prominent Hong Kong businessman for participating in right. one of these marches, correct? That was it. He's he was disappeared, sent to prison and and I guess he has two more years and it was it was because he just walked in a protest. That's right. I mean, the CCP really charged him with multiple charges, not just for that. I mean, of course, one of the charges was marching uh you know participating in the march, another charge that that he was another charge that he received was lighting a candle on the on June fourth, you know, on the day that we commemorate the Tiananmen Square massacre. What happened was I think June fourth, twenty twenty, um, he was lighting a candle on the street, and the, and 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 the and the government charged him for you know inciting hatred. Against the government, just for lighting a candle, it's as as ridiculous as that. And he was put. I mean, that particular um, that that particular incident, he was you know he was sent to jail for months just for lighting a candle. And I mean, he has multiple charges. He has national security law charges, meaning that I would say most likely he would be jailed for the rest of his life. He's he's now seventy four. And I presume that the CCP, CCP would make sure that he would never be free again. I mean, if they free him, they're freeing a martyr and a hero. Right. And he will be lucky if they do not send him back to China. I mean, imagine how the, the, the condition in, in a Chinese, in, in a China, mainland Chinese prison will be much worse than the Hong Kong prison. No, it's, it's unimaginable. You know, um, are you familiar with the case of Bishop um, Joseph Zhang Waizhou? Forgive me, for, my wife's Chinese. In and I'm China? Just, yeah, he's a he's a Chinese Catholic bishop, mm-hmm. and he um, he was disappeared. He's in prison for twenty five years, right? Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. So now yes. he's, he's been disappeared, and he was part of the Patriotic Church. He was he was after, underground church, right? No, no, he was. He was a bishop that was approved with the uh, Vatican, the, the secret agreement between China, the CCP and the Vatican, 
he was approved. And yet, I believe, and yet he was disappeared with his bishop, with his priests and seminarians. And God forbid that comes to Hong Kong. Joseph Zhang Weizhu, W E I Z H U. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. But the, well, there's one interesting story was in uh, in Shanghai back in uh, 2012. There is a patriotic priest. He was chosen to be bishop in Shanghai, and then he received the approval both from the Vatican and the CCP. What happened was on the day he was consecrated to, to be a bishop, he made a formal announcement that he would no longer be part of the Patriotic Association. With that statement, he has been in detention ever since. The PCCP jailed him. I mean, on the day he was ordained a bishop, because of that one statement that he made, because of his refusal to cooperate with the government, he has been jailed, and, and all his seminaries and, and, all, and his seminary in Shanghai was closed down for a few years because of that. It's ridiculous. Well, China, the CCP, I hate to say China. What, what's horrifying to me is I'm from Hawaii. My wife is Chinese. Her mother's actually from Hong Kong. My, my, my okay. wife is first-generation American. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, with the Cultural Revolution and generations of totalitarian socialism, I feel like the CCP is obliterating Chinese culture in China. And that exactly. it, it, Chinese exactly. culture lives in Hong Kong. It lives in Taiwan. It lives in places right. like Chinatown and San, and San Francisco and, and Hawaii. Um, That's right. And so this is really, ironically, it, preserving freedom in Hong Kong is about preserving the last vestiges of Chinese culture. That's right. That's right. Yeah. As simple as the Chinese characters. When the CCP took over, they simplified the characters which is not the way Chinese wrote, you know, for thousands of years. They they totally butchered the language and simplified the character. Just for one one interesting example, you know, the Chinese word for love, right? In the traditional Chinese there is I mean, there is a heart in the middle of the character. But then for the simplified character that they have to use, they have used it for the past sixty years, they have tokel the heart from the word love. It's just, yeah, it's just the way they butcher the Chinese language and the Chinese culture. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Well, and then the one child policy, family lives, culture lives within families. And that's right. That's right. You, you don't have aunts, uncles, and cousins. You can't have a culture survive in a, in a society without aunts, uncles, and cousins and that's right. That's and right. Religious traditions. So in Hong Kong right. now, we see that the, the CCP, I think, rightly understands that any philosophy, not only religion, but any philosophy that acknowledges a transcendent moral order or even a vague, numinous reality um, beyond materialism is deemed as a mortal threat to the CCP. Is, is that what's going on? Yes, I would think so, because, you know, you know, communism is intrinsically atheistic. They don't believe in God. I mean, they only believe in material things. So, yeah, anything transcendent and anything that will potentially, uh, you know, draw people's attention away from the party or from Xi Jinping, you know, they would not be happy with that. Not, 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 not even transcendent, transcendental thing. I mean, in China, they have, you know, there's in the in the past years they have. Uh, 
kind of like a ranking of like pop star, right? You know, each week, you know, they have a, uh, you know, which star is number one, which star is number two in terms of popularity. They have done away with that. Like CCTV cannot even stand pop star. He can't even tolerate Instagram models. He can't exactly. compete with teenage exactly. girls dancing in exactly. their closet. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he has the first commandment, right? Thou shalt worship, thou shalt not, thou shalt worship one God, right? Thou shalt not worship anyone before me. I mean, I think that's really his model. Yeah. Now that's St. John Paul the Great. I don't know if you're you're a Catholic or evangelical or Protestant. I want to ask you to answer that. But St. John Paul the Great in his last book, Memory and Identity, said that, you know, when the Nazis rolled into to Poland and then after they left and the, and the communists rolled in, he said he always knew that those regimes would collapse because of his theology uh, that evil is a deprivation and ideologies of evil will eventually right. die under their own weight. Can right. the CCP continue? It seems to be such a fragile state in these Beijing Olympics are the, as the biggest catastrophe. This is the biggest propaganda catastrophe that I have ever seen. It just seems that mm -hmm. it's revealed to the world the true nature of this regime. Right. Can the CCP continue at the pace it's going? I mean, if the West continues with, you know, if the if the West continues with placing eco economic interest ahead of human rights, I think the CCP would probably last for some more years. So I think the West really has the responsibility in that regard. I mean, they have to stop doing businesses with China, with the with the CCP. I mean, they, because the CCP relies on you know the West doing business doing business businesses with them, right? So, so, I mean, I think I think it's it's hard to say. I mean, when the CCP is gonna you know completely fall apart, but but the thing is with all the surveillance uh, technology or monitoring system in China. It is very, very difficult for people to revolt because, I mean, because all the instant messages, all the emails in China, they are completely censored and monitored by the by the Chinese government. So they would they will be able to stop any revolt or you know any messages that would potentially threaten quote unquote national security. Uh, and stop any protest. I mean, protest is not even possible in China because in order to organize a protest, you have to, you know, organize people to go on the street, right? You know, maybe by social media or by you know, messaging. But I mean, but all these are censored, so people can't even, you know, receive messages from social media. If if I mean, those messages will be deleted immediately by the by the internet police if they are deemed to be threatening so uh, national security. So in that sense, I mean, it's, it's, it's more difficult. I mean, if you think about different revolutions in the past 20, 30 years, it's, it's more difficult for these revolutions to happen in China. So I guess what's likely happen is, you know, is the, you know, is the downfall of economy in China that would probably lead to its ultimate uh, demolition. But that being said, I mean, what what's going to happen after CCP falls apart, that's another question. I mean, it's going, is there going to be a civil war? I mean, who's going to take control of the country if the CCP, if the CCP falls apart? I mean, that'll be a very, very interesting question. And, and the West, we've been 
short-sighted and selfish. We failed the people of Russia. We failed the people of Eastern Europe. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, after the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, we, right. we continued to just to pursue our own aggressive self-interest instead of... That's right. Mo- Montesquieu, one of my, my favorite quotes from Montesquieu is, in times of peace, we are to do other nations as much possible good as we can. And in times of war, mm-hmm. we're to, 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 to pursue... Um, the least possible harm in trying to achieve victory to them. Right, right. And we, we, I, think, I hope we learn yeah. from, you know, the problems we've created in, in with Russia uh, when the CCP right. does fall with China. Right. And I think, you know, the reason that the CCP is so strong economically is because of the American engagement policy in the past 30 years that had really, you know, helped the economic growth of China. And, and without any, I mean, I guess the Americans thought that, you know, by, you know, by helping them grow financially, economically, they would improve the human rights uh, condition, right? But, but that did not happen. Instead, it, 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 it had actually gone worse in the past seven years under Xi Jinping. We were naive. You know, as a young college Republican in the 90s, I campaigned for most favored nation status for China. And our talking right, point right. was... You know, if China has permanent most favored nation status, and as, as we interlock our economies, China will become more like us. But but mm-hmm. sadly, what's happened, I think we've become more like the CCP. And yeah. to, to that point, I'll, I'll share something with you that's horrifying. My organization, we seek to influence on behalf of vulnerable communities and using media. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. bought the best seats in the house at NBA games around the country this season. This season. And mm-hmm. when there'd be a penalty right in front of where our people were sitting, we would unfurl huge banners that the cameras could miss mm-hmm. that said free Hong Kong or free Tibet or free the Uyghur. And of course, mm-hmm. doing this caused China to cut the feet immediately. And a reporter mm-hmm. investigated how much money our, our program cost. Uh, uh, the NBA this season was, was $200 million. So, um, but wow. I was emailing a journalist, asked me questions about the protest. And I forwarded images of the protest and da da da. Google wouldn't let me send the content, and it kept mm. saying this email contains banned content. Mm. And all I was doing was answering this reporter's questions on the Uyghur genocide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, all the big tech companies they they are looking at the big business market in China. Yep, Google, YouTube, even Tesla, they opened a store in Xinjiang a few weeks ago. You know, I'm really disappointed in Elon Musk with that. You have Disney, yes. they make Mulan, they change the story to make exactly. the Uyghur the bad people. They shoot it in Xinjiang or East Turkestan, exactly. which is startling, which is yeah, which is really unbelievable. You know what this these and this is gonna be my next column. The Beijing <laughs> Genocide Olympics brought to us by NBC drove home this point. That mm-hmm. neoliberalism, whatever that is, and the CCP are allies. Mm-hmm. And there is no defeating the CCP without defeating, without pushing back neoliberalism in the West. Right, right. Because right, they are right. shameless in their defense in a, in a, of the right. CCP. Now, in, in, a, right. in Hong Kong's relationship with the UK... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a special relationship in the UK. Is has there been an outcry from the government there on behalf yes. of the people of Hong Kong? 
Yes, uh, they actually have been very generous to the Hong Kong people. They granted kind of like a green card to anyone born in Hong Kong before 97. So anyone born in Hong Kong before 97, they could go to UK and live there. And after five years, after six years, they will be granted UK citizenship. So I would say at least 100,000 people have left permanently for the UK already from Hong Kong. And I think it's, 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 this trend is going to continue, especially those families of young kids, because they do not want kids to be brainwashed in Hong Kong by the CCP, you know, national security education. So in that regard, the UK government has been pretty generous to, to the Hong Kong people, and then and then they actually receive pretty good treatment when 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 you know when they arrive in the UK. I mean, I mean we actually benefiting the UK as well because you know when, usually when people you know you know Hong Kong has a very is um, we have very expensive uh, apartments. So usually on average, I would say uh, when a family leaves Hong Kong, you know, for another country for immigration, they would bring at least a million, one to two million dollars, U.S. dollars, from Hong Kong to that country, because even like, like an 800 square feet apartment would cost at least one million U.S. in Hong Kong. So, so we actually kind of contributing to the to the UK economy by being there. So, so they're you know they appreciate that as well. So, so I guess it's a win-win situation for the Hong Kong people and the UK government. Yep, but even with you know that, and I'm I'm glad that they're offering that generous, those those that generous, uh, you know, the rights to emigrate. But again, mm-hmm. it's it's just sad to me, because in a way, it kind of is perpetuating this cultural genocide that the CCP started. You know, there's the old saying. You remember the old saying that whoever conquers China becomes Chinese. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. the CCP has has conquered China. Right. So, well, the idea is that, you know, Hong Kong people, when they go to the UK, that's where they would, they would preserve the Hong Kong culture, like the cuisine. That's true. Languages. Because, I mean, I would say 10 years down the road in Hong Kong, they probably would not even let schools teach Cantonese anymore. You know, everyone, probably everyone would have to speak Mandarin, which is the official language of China. And they have been trying to eliminate, you know, a lot of a lot of Hong Kong style stuff, you know, from the British colonial era. So, so I would say maybe ten, twenty years from now, you could only find a real Hong Kong in the UK, maybe in London, but not in Hong Kong because by Honolulu, that time, you, you can know, find it in in Hawaii. <laughs> I promise you. Yeah, because it, yeah, by that time, you know, they would have come completely wipe out everything, you know, that is uniquely Hong Kong and replace that with the mainland Chinese CCP socialist stuff. From language to culture to, you know, um, the way they run the government, stuff like that. Yeah, it's sorrowful. Now, this is a tough question, and Mm -hmm. it it might might be impolite for me to ask you. I'm Catholic, and Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the greatest... Probably the greatest scandal in the history of our church mm-hmm. is the Sino-Vatican Agreement of 2018. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, can, mm-hmm. I would much rather ha- wake, have woken up that day to hear 
that Pope Francis has invaded Sicily with his mistress and children in tow. Okay, that would have, I'd be happy. Okay, good. He's got it. Okay, he's got an army. He's he's take, he's kicking the Normans out of Sicily. Good for him. Yeah, uh, that yeah. would have that would have pleased me. But this agreement really broke my heart. First and foremost, yeah. because our my own co-religionists Christians are suffering, but also the mm-hmm. Falun Gong. Also, the Han exactly. Chinese who are suffering uh, suffered under mm-hmm, the one-child policy and the Uyghur. Yeah. The yeah, Pope yeah, Francis yeah. hasn't said a single word. Has never said the word Uyghur out loud. He wrote the word down once mm-hmm. in a letter mm-hmm. where he buried mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. in several hundred, literally several hundred issues, uh, and the right, Uyghur was right, in right. there. But that's the only time he's ever right. written the word. Um, yep. It, without this agreement, would this abuse have been able to go forward? Without this agreement? Yeah, if the Vatican uh, didn't kneel to Xi, mm-hmm. would this crackdown of the churches, would the harassment of Cardinal Zen, the arrest of Jimmy Lai, the disappearing of Catholic bishops across China, without this agreement, would, would, would this have... Because I don't, I don't think so, and here's why. If the church in the West stood up for the people being oppressed by totalitarian socialism in China, the way we stood up mm-hmm. for white Christians mm-hmm. who are being uh, suffering under totalitarian socialism in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. if, if we stood up for the Chinese the way we we fought for the Russians, um, the way our churches taught, you know, constantly prayed for the persecuted church in Russia, right. I will right, tell right. you, we are thoughtless to the persecuted church in China, and it is never right. mentioned. I was at the um, the International Religious Freedom Conference in Washington, D.C. Even mm-hmm. Blinken and Pelosi mentioned China's abuses to, uh, uh, to the church. There was right, only one right, speaker right. that didn't mention China in his speech, and that was mm-hmm, Cardinal mm-hmm. Dolan of New York City. Didn't oh. mention China. <laughs> didn't. Every other speaker, Blinken, Pelosi. How do you speak at the International Religious Freedom Conference— and not mention China. And I exactly, have to think exactly. that he was muzzled by the Vatican. And he has a, to follow the line of the Vatican. He cannot go against Francis. And Francis can't go against Xi. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very sad. I mean, I went to a speech given to Sam Brownback, you know, who was the master of large religious freedom at the UN. He was asked, what was the biggest uh, disappointment, so to speak, during his time as ambassador? And then he said it was his inability to convince the Vatican not to strike the deal with China. He said it publicly at a conference. And uh, yes, I, I agree with Postway, uh with your observation. Also, I talked to a friend who is a Tibet Buddhist. And uh, he actually, he told me that Dalai Lama, he actually wrote a personal letter to Pope Francis asking him, you know, not to strike the deal with the CCP. So, so you know, we have important people like Dalai Lama, you know, you know, who, who suffer personally under the CCP, you know, you know, advising the Pope not to do that. And yet, you know, he still did it. I mean, this is a, reality that we have to um, face right now. Um, I mean, I always think about uh, John Paul, Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan. You know, they 
they were good friends, and you know, one is Catholic, one is Protestant, and they worked together to take down Soviet communism. So, so I think, yeah, we have a strong Catholic toe. We have a strong, you know, Christian, you know, American presidents. You know, I think it's totally possible. But too bad, you know, we we, we do not see any leaders, religious or civil, you know, with the same courage and wisdom and prudence as Reagan and, and John Paul. So, yeah, so it's, it's a very, very, I, I, I get the most difficult uh, situation of underground Christians, especially underground Catholics, is that they, I mean, they have been trying to be loyal to the Vatican for the past 70 years by not joining the patriotic association and yet now they they just feel so betrayed by rome i mean there is a 2019 document from the vatican in regard to the civil recitation uh you know civil recitation of, of clergy you know to the to the to the ccp so so the statement was like uh was basically was telling a catholic clergy that uh, even if, you know, in, in that statement that you have to sign, even if there is something that is manifestly contradictory to the teaching uh, of the faith, of the church, you could still sign it as long as you make a declaration to your bishop afterwards. Well, well, this is completely, this is a pure apostasy. You know, this is completely going against the 2000 years tradition of the church, we study the uh, early church martyrs, you know, I mean, early church martyrs, they would never compromise to the Roman authority, you know, not even to, you know, uh, put incense to an idol, they would never do that. And they would, they would always choose to die instead of caving in. And yet we see this uh, statement from 2019, basically implicitly condoning, you know, implicitly allowing Catholic priests to you know, to to register to to sign something that is contradictory to the faith. That's that's a huge problem, as Cardinal Zen has pointed out repeatedly about this problematic document. Yeah, has this has this resulted in a loss of faith, or ha, or or have have Catholics become Protestant? Is this what is the impact on the body of believers? Well, if you look at uh, some reason, I guess I, I I would say I presume that the result is that uh, well, one one clear result is that the CCP was you know going around with that particular document from Rome and go around to underground church, underground priests, and tell them, well, your pope has now authorized you guys to join the patriotic church. And a lot, I, I would say, a lot of Catholic underground priests are not, you know, very well educated, and they just they just saw the document and say, oh well. I mean, I, I wouldn't say all of them cave in, but I would say probably some of them they, I guess they probably didn't know better, and or maybe maybe they react they they were forced to join because of torture, or 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 the bishop would, you know, just sign them up. So so. Last May, uh, the Chinese police, they actually, uh, went to an underground seminary in, in, in Henan, in the Henan province, uh, in May 2021. They, with 100 armed policemen, they arrested, uh, all the 
seminary professors, uh, the bishop, and also they sent all the seminarians home. Why did they do that? Because uh, that particular diocese in Hernan, uh, they were very insistent on not joining the patriotic patriotic association. So it sounds like the CCP is using, you know, um, armed forces to go after the remaining Catholic diocese. They would not cooperate with with the government. So what what can we do then? What can I do as a lay Catholic? What can Christians around the world do to help the persecuted church in Hong Kong? You know, the help the church in the CCP where it's worse. I mean, I think that's the big fear, right? The big fear in Hong Kong is that those churches will have to become registered or become patriotic. How soon do you think that will happen? Does it seem eminent? In Hong Kong? I think it's pretty eminent. I mean, uh, when Carrie Lam ran for her office five years ago, she already uh, proposed uh, establishing religious affairs bureau in Hong Kong, but she eventually pulled it out from her election campaign because of some opposition from the Protestants. But this time around, when she's going to run again next month, I'm pretty sure she's going to put that into her, her election campaign. That being said, you know, this religious affairs bureau in Hong Kong will probably be established, I would say, probably in the next one or two years. In fact, you know, those articles from the CCP propaganda newspaper that came out two weeks ago, they already mentioned the need to regulate Western religions like Christian churches. So it's utterly conceivable that they would impose that because there is nothing left in Hong Kong because you know, press freedom was so so, you're, so when Ta Kung Po, uh, when yes. it said in there that this needs to happen, they're basically telling you this is, <laughs> when people who can make it happen say this is what should happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter of time. With the elimination of press freedom, with elimination of freedom of uh, assembly, uh, with you know, with a fair court system being gone, I mean, religious freedom is the only remaining difference between Hong Kong and the rest of China. And I'm pretty sure that the CCP would, you know, would make sure that you know this would be taken care of in the next few months or next two years or so. So then, then we as Christians in the West need to be prepared to respond to this and make the yes. CCP's partners, the tech companies, um, brands like Nike and Apple, they need, to, they need to suffer consequences. Right, right, exactly. I think they should, you know, Western, the free world should impose, should impose sanctions on, you know, Western companies who choose to do business in China. I mean, that, that should happen because otherwise, I mean, if you have Tesla or if you have YouTube, Google still doing business in China, you know, the CCP will continue to thrive and survive. So, so I think that that would be very, very important, you know, you know, advocating for the, for the Western, for the US, UK government to make sure that, you know, all those high tech companies, all those, you know, Western companies would no longer do business in China. They would no longer, you know, manufacture the goods from China using their cheap labors and just totally, I mean, that, I, I, I guess that's the only way to destroy the Chinese economy. Yeah, it's really something that uh, some mentally deranged person a couple of years ago in California burned a Quran and the world lost its mind. But then mm-hmm. Apple deletes the Quran from its app, all apps in China. 
mm-hmm. and the world doesn't even Apple effectively burned millions of Quran. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But no one talking about it. No. And yeah. have you seen the translations of the, these, these approved translations that they're pushing out the CCP? One of them rewrites the, have you seen this? They rewrote the stoning of the woman uh, caught in the act of adultery. Have that's you, right. That's right. So, so, so that's not in the Bible per se. I think it's in the, in the, in the text though. Okay. One of the books that published by the CCP, they quote the, uh, you know, that biblical story, but they completely change it. Yeah, Jesus actually yeah. stones the woman. Um, right. I'm thinking, I'm a filmmaker, and I told my team, we should make this as a short film. The Gospel According to Xi Jinping. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll make it. Mm-hmm. And people can see how mm-hmm. disgusting the worldview is. For people who don't know what exactly. the, 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 this, the story they put in this textbook is Jesus tells the Pharisees they can't stone the woman. And then when they all leave mm-hmm. and she thinks she's saved, then he stones her saying, I can't stone you because I'm the proper authority to do so. Exactly. And, and of course, the hidden agenda of changing the story is that, you know, Jesus stoned the women because Jesus obeyed the law. Therefore, you Christians, you guys should obey the law as well. The law promulgated by the CCP. I mean, it's for national security as well. Which that's is the hidden agenda. Which is lawlessness, and that's why they despise any transcendent moral order. Any, I mean, the Falun Gong. I mean, am I wrong to think the Falun Gong is less a religion than just a philosophy? Is that fair, or is it a religion? Uh, I mean, it's it's a. I guess it's a Buddhist sect. So, so, but what's interesting about Falun Gong? When I grew up in Hong Kong, you know, back in the uh, in the nineties, I was a teenager. But in, in the nineties, you know, that's immediately after the handover, you know. I was under, I mean, everyone in Hong Kong was under the impression that the Falun Gong is a cult because we were brainwashed by the media. You know, the media keeps telling us that the Falun Gong is a cult. It's until fairly recently, maybe in the past four, maybe in the past two or three years or so, that Hong Kong people come to realize that Falun Gong is not a cult. They actually, you know, a good and proper religion or a good and proper group who would expose the atrocity about the CCP. The, the Falun Gong, they have a very good uh, Epic Times, right? They have an office in Hong Kong. And and they were one of the, apart from Apple Daily and a few other independent press, they were the, one of the very, you know, one of the, one of the uh, press that actually report the truth, report what's actually going on in Hong Kong. So, yeah. Well, when people tell me the Falun Gongs are called, I say, hey, listen, you know, when, when you bring up the name Innis Cantor Freedom, they go, oh, he's a ghoulinist. You bring up Epoch Times, they say, oh, they're Falun Gong. Those are all cults. They said, mm-hmm. all my friends are in cults. I, if that's the case, I, all my, I, the only people I admire today are in cults. Because if right, the, right. Christianity is a cult, okay, great. Um, but the CCP is a death cult. Right, it, right. That's, that's violent. It's a criminal organization. It's a transnational yeah. Yeah, it's a transnational criminal organization that's soulless, and it's a destroyer of culture. And, you know, I used right. to have Chinese students come to intern with me in my office in Hollywood. And mm-hmm. I would always tell them, I'm, I'm really just so afraid to reach out to them because I'm, out, I'm so outspoken to the CCP. It's a fear mm-hmm. of mine that any student that ever interned with me or any Chinese students that heard me give a speech and, I, and I, we, 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 we uh, you know, traded emails over the years, 
I would hate for them to get in trouble just for knowing me or having met me. Um, but these, these students would come and I would always tell them that their job as artists is to really reach into the roots of Chinese culture and they have to, their art right. needs to come. You need to crack through the cement of the CCP. And I would tell this to students from China. They would have mm-hmm. to take an ax and crack through the roots of the CCP. I mean, the concrete of the CCP and to really tend to those flowers that had been smothered to resurrect your culture. It's as if in the West, right. 50 years ago, they killed every scholar and burned every copy of Shakespeare and, and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, uh, Homer and Virgil in the, in the church fathers, it would have been absolutely unimaginable, but this is what, this is what China has ahead of it. It's, 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 and when the CCP falls, I'm really looking forward to this just great flowering and beautiful Renaissance of Catholic culture. But it's, it's interesting that it's in the religions that they say are alien to China that are preserving Chinese culture. What the CCP calls alien are actually sheltering and preserving Chinese culture. Is that fair to say? Right. right, yeah. I mean, they they would often say that Western religions are, you know, they're foreign to the Chinese culture, but the fact is that socialism is actually foreign to the Chinese culture. They, it comes from Soviet Union. I mean, it's, it, it originates from a German philosophy. So the whole CCP ideology is, it's foreign, and yet they say this is Chinese, and claim that you know any Western religions or ideologies are incompatible with 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 the Chinese. So I mean, they're they they just totally contradict themselves. Yeah, and our religion isn't Western, is it? It's Semitic, right? That's but right. That's but right. communism is Western, right? Right. That's the right. ideologies that animate uh, the CCP, which I think are not just communism, but um, they are, they're Western. Right, right. But our religion is beautifully Semitic. Right, right. Well, we have our work cut out for us. It's, it's, it's up to us, really, because we're the ones that have been, that have been, that have been fueling the CCP and empowering their, uh, the t- this terror regime, this transnational mm-hmm, criminal mm-hmm. organization, and allowing them to mm-hmm. smash the citizens mm-hmm. of Hong Kong, you right. know, cause Taiwan to tremble, terrorize Tibetans, imprison the Uyghur. What's right. the one thing you'd like to, when we wrap this up, what's the one thing you'd like uh, listeners to know? Is, is, uh, I would say, you know, especially if you guys are Christians and, you know, we follow the command of Jesus, you know, there are some demons that cannot be canceled except by prayer and fast. So I think that's the, I mean, that's definitely one thing that every one of us can do with prayer and fasting. You pray for the fall of communism, pray for the fall of communism, pray for all those persecuted Christians, and also do penance, you know, some type of fasting, uh, some type of abstinence uh, for this particular intention, you know. I think that's, you know, the, the, the devil, you know, the, the evil spirit behind the CCP would only be cast out if we really you know, take this command of our Lord Jesus into account, right? And apart from that, you know, boycotting, you know, certain companies that, you know, that, that have close ties to China, or even I know some people who would boycott any anything that, that are made in China. I mean, it's kind of difficult now, but, but then I guess it's, it's possible to you know, boycott any goods that are made in China. 
So, and of course, you know, vote for any political candidates who are, you know, who would choose to stand, you know, who, who would stand, who would choose to, um, to, to stand for the truth and fight against the CCP. I think that would be very, very important as well. I'm writing these down, Reverend Allen. I'm going to, I'm going to put them as bullet points in, okay. in, in, in the body of the uh, show and the show notes. And, and something else you said is that there needs to be, we need to work to a place where there are sanctions on corporations right. that do business right. in China. And I don't know if right. you know this, but you know, big corporations like Apple and Costco and Coca-Cola and mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. lobbied mm-hmm. Congress to gut the Uyghur Genocide Act. They, mm. they worked to gut it um, to yeah. try to make it an yeah. impot- impotent legislation, which yeah. it's just really hard. And that's where these Olympics have just driven it home. That neoliberalism right. and the CCP are this. They're 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 moving in the same direction. They're totalitarian right, right. surveillance. They're you know they they want surveillance states. They mm-hmm. want to monitor every move. They want to censor us. They they mm-hmm. calumniate anyone that protests for freedom, like the truckers in mm-hmm. Hong Kong. They're calling terrorists mm-hmm. and fascists. You when you have Trudeau mm-hmm. calling salt of the earth working class truckers and folks in the hundreds of thousands in Ottawa terrorists. I'm like, wow, you sound a lot like Xi. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes, I agree. Well, Reverend Dell, I thank you for coming on this pentathlon of podcasting. As we know, we um about two years ago when I started I started working with the Uyghur community on this genocide games, we 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 came up with this idea that we would try to smear not smear but accurately present these games as the genocide games and they were so distraught and i said you Mm -hmm. know a stumbling block a a scandal is a stumbling block you can stand on that stumbling block and make it a make it a a, and give it an opportunity to amplify your message Mm -hmm. and i really think that these olympics these genocide olympics when the history books are written will be marked as the beginning of the end of the ccp because the veil has been lifted and I just right, hope inside right. CCP-controlled China, the people are aware of what a disgrace and how embarrassing these Olympics have been, and right. uh, how the world now sees the world now sees what the CCP is doing. Exactly. All right, Reverend Al. Usually, right. I would say, and how can people find you? But we don't want anyone to find you, so <laughs> you stay. <laughs> Out of sight. Thank you for coming on our show. We're going to pray for you. Thank you very much. We're going to pray for the for the people of Hong Kong. And, and the truth is that if we don't free Hong Kong, if we don't free Tibet, if we don't keep Taiwan free, uh, if we don't close the concentration camps uh, with Uyghur inside, our children will be slaves. That's just the fact. That's that is right. That is 100% that's fact. Right. So the race to that's save right. China from the CCP, to save Hong Kong from the CCP, is really the race to save our posterity from from a horror totalitarian surveillance state. And exactly. that's what's you at stake. Exactly right. Yep. All right, Reverend, I'm going to land right. this show and sell some pillows. Mike Lindell, do you have uh, – I should get you some pillows. Do you have any MyPillow products? <laughs> I know of him. I don't have it. Oh, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to – after. I'm going to call you after I close the show up. You don't even know. It's decadent. It is decadent. You know, with my organization, we're supporting Christians and hiding across Afghanistan and in Pakistan in their safe houses. And this might sound strange, 
But, you know, because they're living in pretty rugged conditions. But, you know, the Knights of the Hospitaller, the Knights of St. John, that they mm-hmm. would sleep on the dirt or on wood planks, but they would Ooh. give those they served feather pillows and they would feed them off of silverware, silver platters. Oh, that's right. So that's my whole awesome. thought is, well, what's better than a feather pillow? <laughs> Mike Lindell's My Pillow is better than a feather pillow. I'm not going to sleep on a wood plank, but I can give the, uh, the refugees we're helping my pillow. I'm going to get you some my pillow. All right. Great. Thank you very I, much. Uh, all right, Reverend Dow. Uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. God bless. Thank you. All right, everybody. You heard it right there. Reverend Al, something he said was startling because it was so bold. He said, there needs to be sanctions. It's not enough that we boycott the CCP. There needs to be sanctions on businesses that continue to partner with the CCP against the people of China so we can buy cheap crap in box stores. And I can tell you what, uh, me having access to cheap crap in box stores in exchange for my grandchildren being slaves, not a deal. Do you know my children's mother, a grandmother and grandfather fled the CCP, fled the communists, fled the CCP, had to hide. My, my mother-in-law had to hide her father, a nationalist general, put her in a monastery because he was afraid when they found the little girl, the communists would kill her. <clears throat> so my children's grandmother was menaced by the CCP. I am not going to let my mother-in-law's grandchildren and great-grandchildren be menaced by the CCP. So we need to work towards the point where we are sanctioning companies that do business with the CCP, and eventually it should be criminalized. I will tell you this, that before I give aid to anyone in Afghanistan, they reach out to us for aid, they're starving, they're hungry, they're afraid, the Taliban's chasing them. We have to search their name through a Treasury Department database to make sure they are not a bad actor, that they are not a terrorist. We do that with every name before we send so much as a loaf of bread. Yet Apple can partner with the CCP? Are you kidding me? Nike is in business with the CCP? Having cotton in their products picked by slaves? That's true. That's not hyperbole or poetry. The Uyghur slaves pick cotton. And I probably, you probably have products in your home with cotton picked by slaves. Oh, but we're so great. We're so wonderful. So I'm gonna, this is a great bullet point. I'm going to make this list, and I'm going to put it there. Also, I said that I was going to read after every show the names of uh, all of the board members and CEOs of all the corporations sponsoring it. And, and a bunch of people emailed me and said, Jason, ain't nobody listening to that. Just, just continue to post it in the show notes. In the show notes, I will have posted the names of all the companies that have sponsored the Olympics. We're going to continue with our campaign Not one minute of the Olympics, not one product by any of the sponsors of these genocide games. And if you can commit to that, you win a gold medal in the pentathlon of podcasting as we boycott these genocide Olympics. Uh, This episode has been brought to you, of course, by Mike Lindell's MyPillow. He's got a big betting sale with uh, huge discounts. You go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use the code Jones. There are also a lot of gifts. I don't know why I didn't get a, a flyer on this from the company. There's a lot of great Valentine's Day presents in there. Bath robes, all kinds of stuff. So go to MyPillow.com, use the code Jones, do your shopping, get your Valentine's gifts there. St. Valentine's Day, 
I should do a St. Valentine's Day special because the reality about Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's Day, is so beautiful. It's a celebration of the sacrament of marriage. Now it's, you know, a celebration of Netflix and chill. Those are two totally different things. This episode is also being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world. From freedom activists in Hong Kong to the Uyghur and Chinese-occupied East Turkestan to the Christians in the Nuba Mountains to you. So join the team. Go to thegreatcampaign.org and become a monthly donor and you get a free copy of my book, The Race to Save Our Century. I wrote that with the great John Zmirak, who's coming on uh, tomorrow. John is coming on, yeah, I believe tomorrow or the next day. And we're going to do the weekend wrap-up. And that's always scandalous. Every time John is on, I figure if I were a little more, if this show were a little bigger, I'd be canceled. Right under that, you know, that that line where I can avoid being canceled. I think we're going to talk about Whoopi Goldberg. We're going to talk about Mel Gibson. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be a great opportunity for scandal. All right. The, pent- the, the pentathlon of podcasting continues. It's the Jason Jones Show. Until tomorrow. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Oh, 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 oh,